Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Well, you know where we are. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 getting ready to move into chapter 13, which is the last chapter of the 2 Corinthian epistle. But we are lingering in chapter 12, before we move on, enough to give some lessons and applications over the material that was covered, particularly the material that was covered in the last part of the chapter. And on the broadcast yesterday, I took time to linger over the seriousness of sexual immorality in the church or in churches of the Lord Jesus Christ among people who profess to be Christians and how so how common it is, so exceedingly common that some people just don't think there's anything wrong with it, or at least nothing very seriously wrong with it. But that is not the case. God's word is very clear. He says, I shall mourn for many, verse 21, who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness with which which they have practiced. That has to be repented of. That has to be removed. That needs to be completely separated from the lives of those who call themselves Christians. It should not be found in the lives of Christians. It should not be found in churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is so common. I will tell you one story, and then I'm going to move on from this. But uh, we had, many decades ago now, a woman who came to our church and and joined our church. And uh, she had a credible profession of faith, and we were trying to help her. We realized she didn't know very much about the Bible, but she came to us from another evangelical church in town, But after some months, she wrote a letter and basically said, Thank you for what you've taught me. I have benefited from your church, but I'm leaving. I'm going back to my old church because I have decided that I'm going to live with a man unmarried, and I know that you won't let me do that. You consider that to be wrong and and unacceptable among church members, and I know that you will have to discipline me for this, but that's what I'm going to do anyway. So go ahead and do it. I know that's what you're going to do. I know that's what you should do, but I'm returning to, to my church where I can do that without any sanction. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Another Evangelical church claims to be 
a Bible-believing church, claims to, to believe that salvation is necessary to get to heaven, that one has to be born again, a church that in many respects would say they believe the Bible the same way we do, but it is, it, there, there are so many known relationships, immoral relationships within the church that are accepted and nobody bothers to say or do anything about it to try to correct them that she knew she could she could practice what she had already decided, her immorality that she'd already decided she was going to do. She could practice it there without any problem, but she knew she couldn't practice that in our church without a problem. I'm not saying that to pat us on the back. We're, we're only trying to do what the Bible requires. We'd rather not have to do these things. Some of them are very difficult, but we're only trying to do what the Bible requires. But isn't it incredible that there are churches claiming to be evangelical, claiming to be Bible-believing, where this sort of activity is allowed to go on without being confronted, without being sanctioned, without being dealt with? That's the day in which we live but that was not acceptable to the Apostle Paul in the church at Corinth. And so he said, lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. Well, we are going to leave that behind and move on on this Tuesday, November 28. Thankful for your presence and thank you for your consideration of our financial needs to keep teaching God's Word on this station. What other lessons do we learn in the last part of 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Well, we learn, if we recall some of the things we've gone over here, remember that the context for so much of this is the contest between the Apostle Paul and false teachers who were criticizing him, undermining him, trying to turn the Corinthian believers away from him, and they were basically saying, Paul is not a true apostle, Paul is not a true minister, Paul is not what you think he is, we are the true ones. We are the true ministers of Christ, not Paul. And Paul had to answer those questions, but that raises this whole thing. How, what is our responsibility as Christians to uphold faithful ministers of the gospel? What is our responsibility to support them and defend them? It's clear that the Corinthian church was not doing what they should have done to support and defend the Apostle Paul to these false teachers. And this passage, as well as other passages in the Bible, makes it very clear that Christians do have that responsibility, not because any preacher is perfect. Paul wasn't. He was a Sinners saved by grace, just like you are and like I am. He, at times, called himself the chief of sinners. He cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He was very aware of sin in his life, and yet he was also aware that he had been truly born again, that the sin that was in him was not excused by him. It wasn't justified by him. It wasn't something that he was willing to live with. It was something that he wrestled with, and that's the evidence of, of true conversion. 
It's something that he fought with until the Lord took him home to heaven and his fight was over. That's one of the reasons why heaven is called our heavenly rest. What, do you, what, what, what kind of rest are we going to have there? Are we going to sit around on clouds and strum harps all, all day long? No. The Bible tells us that even in our heavenly location, we're going to serve the Lord. His servants shall serve him, the Bible says. That indicates activity. But what are we going to rest from? We're going to rest from pain and sorrow. We'll have no more of that, no more tears, no more disappointments, no more heartaches, no more diseases, no more deaths, none of these things that bring such difficulty and sorrow. We'll have rest from all of that. But maybe one of the most important things that we will have rest from is rest from striving with sin. We become strivers for the rest of our life once we have been born into the family of God, if we've truly been born into the family of God. We fight sin, and we never stop fighting sin. We never surrender to it. We never hoist the white flag and say, I'm tired of the fight. I stop. I give up. Just conquer me. And we, we don't do that. We can't do that. The Spirit of God won't let us do that. And Paul was demonstrating his genuineness by his unwillingness to allow sin to remain in his life and his unwillingness to leave it unconfronted and un, unchecked in the Corinthian church, unlike these false teachers. So the Corinthians should have been appreciating Paul supporting Paul, defending Paul, helping Paul, but they weren't. And they should have been doing this not because the Apostle Paul was perfect, because he was not, and not because any preacher is perfect. Your pastor, those that God has used to minister his word in your life, not a single one of them are perfect men, but every one of these who are faithful to the word of God are valuable to the cause of Christ by God's design. God has designed that in his work of redemption and edifying the saints, building up the body of Christ, advancing the kingdom of Christ in this world, preparing a bride for Christ, God has designed that he is going to call and equip and use men who will preach and teach God's word. And when you find one who is doing that faithfully, you need to appreciate him, support him, encourage him, and defend him. Because if you have been helped by someone who has faithfully taught you God's word, you owe a debt of gratitude to them. And you need to realize that men like that come under assault by Satan more than the average Christian does. You, Mr. Average Christian, if there is such a thing as an average Christian, but you who are not a, a minister that I'm talking to now, you're a church member. You're what is commonly called a layman or a laywoman. You are a, a member of a church, and you are well aware of the assaults of Satan upon your life. You know that he attacks you. Well, just please understand, he attacks preachers who are faithful to proclaim the Word of God far more viciously, far more 
energetically, far more vehemently than he does you and others who are not ministers of God's Word because Satan knows how important such men are to the cause of Christ, and he knows that if he can cause, cause one of them to fall, he has won a great victory. Indeed, that is the case. And all of us mourn. I trust we do. All of us mourn when we see someone who has been a faithful preacher of God's Word fall into the kind of failure and sin that disqualifies them for ministry. We hate to see the cause of Christ lose an effective minister. And that's all the more reason why we should encourage and defend and support them. We, we can't take the total responsibility to keep them from falling and failure. They've got the main part of that responsibility upon themselves, and they, they need to stay close to the Lord and stay in His Word and stay in prayer and stay humble and be aware of Satan's assaults and look out for the dangers that come from so many different directions. But... They also need the help and support of God's people. Paul wasn't getting that from the church at Corinth. He should have been. He wasn't getting that, and he points that out in this epistle. You should have been helping me. You should be defending me. You should be standing up to these critics who are attacking me. You should be saying you are wrong in what you are saying about the Apostle Paul, and we will not listen to that. We will not have anything to do with you and your slander toward the Apostle Paul. We're not going to listen to it another minute. But they weren't. They were listening to it and thinking about it and relishing this gossip, juicy gossip, kind of enjoying chewing it over. Shame on them. You, friend, owe it to whatever man of God is faithful to minister to you God's word. You owe it to him to help, support, and defend him in the work of the gospel. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.